The Physician's Road. Create your life in medicine on your own terms. Today, we are on the path of practice. Today, we're talking practice management companies, how they can help you start your own practice without any fear and optimize your current practice to increase your income so that you can stay in independent practice. Go to healmypractice.com. That is healmypractice.com and sign up to receive your free 30 minutes account receivable review to see how much money you could be missing and also for a free practice consultation. But you can only receive this offer at healmypractice.com to sign up. The Physician's Road is brought to you by Vernonville Asset Management. Vernonville Asset Management was created to help physicians build wealth and create income beyond Wall Street. Through our exclusive private investments, doctors can begin to free themselves from the burdensome regulations in healthcare by creating income streams independent of medicine. Go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get your free report, Wall Street's Biggest Lie. Again, go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get Wall Street's Biggest Lie and free yourself today. Welcome, everybody. This is uh, Dr. Eric Tate. Uh, we're here today on the Physician's Road. We're on the path of practice, and I'm so happy to introduce um, a practice management firm. Um, I'm a big fan of physicians who are in clinical medicine outsourcing their back office functions. Uh, I believe we as physicians tend to try to do too many things ourselves and don't allow experts to come in and help us when we need them. And so I've interviewed multiple practice management firms, done some background checks on them and, and done checked in terms of referrals and people that they work with. And I'm happy to say that Practice Forces um, is a firm, when we talked to multiple physicians, um, gave them glowing remarks. And so I'm happy to have them on. I'm happy to have them become a part of the Physician's Road. And I'd like to introduce them today. Uh, we have Kunal Jain and Peral Jain. And what I'd like to do is just kind of introduce them uh, to the Physicians Road podcast and family. And from there, we're just going to kind of throw it to them. And they're going to tell us about themselves and kind of why they started the company. Welcome, Perul and Kunal. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Um, uh, my name is Kunal Jain. I migrated to this country from India in 2003. And at that time, I was working for Henry Ford uh, Hospitals in Troy. And that's where I got an opportunity to learn a little bit about healthcare in, in, in this country. Then after that, I, I went back to India for four years. I ran a back office uh, outsourcing company there. And then in 2003, I came back and I started this company, uh, Practice Forces. Uh, the, our initial name was Medical BNT Services, which means Medical Billing and Transcription Services, because in the very beginning, we started our business as a transcription company. But gradually, when you know the, the innovation happens in healthcare world, uh, and EMR was introduced, and, and a lot of transcription companies was like destined to be failing, so we were one of those. So we started a new services. We started solving some other problems in healthcare industry, and of course, billing was one of them. And and we have been solving that problem for over ten years now, and. Uh, Parul is actually the one who first started taking initiative into learning billing practices in this country, coding, and then she took some certification from AAPC. And gradually we started taking up some clients and solving their uh, revenue cycle management problems. That's how our company came into an existence. Today we have over, uh, we have clients over eight and nine states. We have clients from anesthesia to 
plastic surgery to dermatology to cardiology, gastroenterology, internal medicine, in all kind of, uh, basically, we are solving problem in almost every specialty around us. Um, I would let uh, Parola speak a little bit about herself. Uh, um, I did lately uh, a master's in entrepreneurship from University of South Florida, and uh, I will let Parola speak. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Tate. So, um, my name is Parul, Parul Garg, and uh, as Kunal mentioned, he initially started the company in 2003. After a couple of weeks, um, maybe three, four weeks, I joined the company because I saw him um, struggling for the transcription, and uh, we had an opportunity to look into some billing, billing side of the aspect. When I joined the practice, I was just thrown and um, I was just thrown, uh, the office manager left as I joined and everything uh, came to me. So I learned myself how things, how this world works. And, you know, from failure, um, we turn the things into successes. We have many uh, many practices which are running in a very healthy, healthy fashion, and uh, all the all what the doctor does or the office manager have to do is they have to worry about the patient's front end. We take care of everything in the back end, and we are proudly managing all the business aspect of the practices. Um, our practices are very successful, and uh, they they feel glad that you know there is someone for them at the back end to run the show. That, that's great. That's exactly what we want to talk about. And actually, so let's, that takes us, so as a, as a back end practice management company, what does that mean exactly? So assume that the physicians that we're talking to have no experience with this at all. So let's say we're talking to somebody who's coming out of residency or someone who's currently employed and wants to start their own practice, which we're seeing a lot more of these days. What, when you say back office versus front office, what does that mean exactly? So when when a doctor's in a doctor's office environment, when a patient uh, show up at the reception, that that's a front office work. They they basically take the patient information, they they take the insurance card, they take the license, they make sure that he is a legitimate patient, and then they verify their coverage. That's the first thing the front office does. They find out whether the insurance information is right or wrong. So you know, old days it used to be a very very you know a tedious process. They used to call the insurance company, spend about 30 minutes finding out whether the insurance is legitimate or not. So we started solving the problem right from that point. We gave them a tool. They go online. They go into our software, and they check the eligibility right within 10 seconds. So from 30 minutes to 10 seconds, that's a difference. And that's where the doctors, the efficiency in the doctor's room comes as a back office. So that's our software, which they use for appointment scheduling, for checking the eligibility. So we connected the clearinghouse, we connected the insurance payers through their front office. That's the first thing we did. And then it's, it's a cloud-based software. So it solves many problems. Once they do the eligibility check, then there is a complete EMR built into it. Doctor sees the patient, he checks the you know review of systems, he finishes the chart. And when the chart comes to us in the background, that's where person, you know, parole or they're like, we have over 300 people in our company. They check whether the coding is done correctly or appropriately by the doctor and whether this coding will enable him to receive the, 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 the optimum reimbursement. 
because it's not just the reimbursement. Whether the reimbursement which they are receiving from the insurance company, is it optimum or not? Uh, proper modifiers are being used, proper ICDs are being used, CPTs are used, and if the widget is appropriate, we send that claim in the background to the insurance company electronically. So the doctor's office, their front office work is finished right at the time of charge entry or the document uh, creation. Once the chart is created, charge entry is done, then our work starts. We check the claims, we send the claims, and then in 24 hours to 72 hours, insurance company sends the rejections back. So if like 2%, 3% claims, they have some kind of problem. If the date of birth is not right, or patient information is not right, or coding is not appropriate, or the insurance company information is not right, it is an expired insurance or something like that, then we get that information back. So we work on that, we call the patient, if the insurance information is wrong, we get the information right, update the claim form, and again, push the claim back to the insurance company. So that process is, is, is a lot of back office process where you know at every step you have to be very vigilant whether the claim is being monitored and the revenue cycle is happening. So once the claim went again to the insurance company, they send the payment back. Sometimes if it is out of network, we negotiate the payment conditions or reimbursement on behalf of practice. We also make sure that the practice is contracted with the insurances as per their you know, optimum reimbursement. Medicare is a, is, a, is a giant. I mean, it's a 50%, 55% revenue comes from Medicare for most across the board, all the specialties, except you. So we, we follow the Medicare rules. We make sure that doctors are following Medicare rules correctly. And they are performing the task as per compliance and as per the requirement of the insurance companies. Once the payments are come, we post their payments. If the patient has a state balance, we send the statements to the patient. A lot of things we, over a period of time, we have done, we have digitized them or make it more automated. And so that's what the whole revenue cycle management firm's job, that's what they do. Now, most of the time, a lot of people, they drop the ball in, you know, in various instances. And that's what determined the, the success of a revenue cycle management company. Uh, in our case, because we have, you know, mastered the process of revenue cycle management over a period of time. It's a young company. We 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 are a lot of lot of our tools and a lot of our processes are automated. Uh, we believe in, in in complete automation, so that gives us a lot of advantage over other companies. Got it. And so, okay. So let's do a because that that was a mouthful. And so let, let's break down those parts just a little bit. So let's go back to the coding that you talked about. So so chart. They see a patient, the, the codes are put in. Do you help the physicians or the people in the physician's office um, with correct coding? Do you, do you help them with that? Do you, do you give them some amount of training and teaching so that they understand that within their specialty, what are the most commonly used codes? Um, help them to show them that they're able to do multiple procedures on one day and how to code it correctly so that they are actually paid. Are these the kind of things that you help? Uh, that practice management companies in general help and that you all help um, you all, your, your clients? Definitely. Definitely, yes. So when we onboard a client, we kind of, uh, you know, analyze where they are and uh, try to work with them for a couple of months until the client knows us and we know them. We don't, you know, all, all um, at the beginning just say, oh, these are the changes you have to make with us that's not the way anyone will listen to you. We need to have a comfort level first. So we develop that comfort level 
by the time we are developing the comfort level in the background, we are kind of analyzing their um, what what kind of errors are they doing? What can we do to improvise their overall you know uh, overall business processes? Because uh, uh, physician offices can be doing a lot of things, but they don't always code for it. And if they are coding, they don't always, uh, they might not be using the right code. So guiding them, you know, even if a practice is, is with, with us for five years, there can be a lot of changes. So guiding them from, um, you know, step by step, especially when there are coding changes, ICD changes happens in October 1st, to, um, you know, of every year. And CPD changes happens uh, beginning January 1 every year. So we, according to the specialty of the practice, we kind of let them know um, and, you know, have meetings with the clients, emails, um, you know, webinars to tell them that these are the changes and these are the codes that you, if you implement, this will be the, uh, you know, uh, advantage to you. And not only that, um, just telling them enough is not, uh, is not enough. Just telling them is not enough. We also do follow up with them. We tell them after six months, see, you implemented this update in the code. This is the revenue. Um, you gain $10,000. That motivates them. They say, okay, by doing, implementing that code on 100 patients, I got $10,000. Let me implement it on, you know, 200 patients. So at the end of the year, they get to, um, you know, uh, double the revenue. So, and then over, over the years, it just improves. The, it's only improvement. We suggest them with the templates, you know, Medicare has implemented a lot of, uh, a lot of annual wellness visit codes and uh, many physicians, many internal, uh, internal medicine practices don't use them, but there's a utility behind them. There is a reason why Medicare is pushing. So we take the lead to whether the clients, physicians like it or not, they're busy, but we try to, you know, capture their attention and say, see, this is, this is what it is tried there's no harm in trying it and uh, as you asked you know multiple multiple coding guidelines so um, any for surgery clients when we submit the claims we go through proper cci edits for each every claim we develop protocols so that our uh, billing staff coders billing staff they know that what we can do to get the maximum revenue what code is inclusive with uh, if code A is inclusive with code B, there's no point in billing that code and, you know, getting denial or uh, repeated denials. It's just extra work for everyone. So can we, what we do is we sit down with the physician and say, see, if you do uh, procedure A with procedure B, it's inclusive. Either you schedule the patient for the next day unless you're ready to take the hit. So the physician decide, yes, I will either schedule the patient for the, uh, you know, for a follow-up visit later or I will, uh, I will take the hit. It's their call. Got it. So you, so basically, you are you in, in many ways you are handholding the physician through the process of making sure that they're getting paid and keeping them up to date with changes that are happening throughout the year. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then let's talk about it on yeah, the regular. Part of, yeah, I mean, she's a part of APC. We, I'm a part of HBMA, like a healthcare business management association. So these industry associations help us. Uh, giving us what's going on latest in Medicare rules and, and coding rules and all of that. So we try to basically push the same information in, in the format of an education to our clients and, you know, update them using different methodologies, sending them emails. Even sometimes we just go have lunches with them, call them, talk to them over the phone. Uh, so, so various methods, we try to engage ourselves in their practice just like they're outsourced hands. 
Gotcha. And then, and then what about on the regulatory side? So everybody's scared of MIPS and macro and all those kinds of things. How does a, yeah. a back-end practice management firm help physicians stake in compliance with all the regulatory changes? Well, that's a big thing. We, we really helped our clients for the last like five, six years. She has been helping them out. In Actually more else. than 10 years. Than, yeah. yeah wow. We, we have, we have, um, uh, I'm, I'm very proud to, you know, um, tell, tell the internet users that maybe um, over a period of 10 years, we might have captured about um, 500 to 700,000 revenue for our clients, or maybe more for, you know, the incentive bonus just payments, inside. just the incentive bonus payments. Um, it, I mean, we, we try, definitely no one will get a penalty because we did not work. Our goal is to push towards incentive and more and more incentive. If if little bit push from the billing company or practice management company can make you aware what's going on with the practice, um, what's going on in the Medicare world, how you can earn the incentive, that's the goal uh, of practice forces. I'll give you an example of how we handhold a physician. So like eClinical Works is a huge uh, EMR and we have several clients from eClinical Works. We make sure that whatever the software update and the software guidelines to comply for MIPS, the doctors are following it, office is following it. So it's not just the physician, it's their nurses, it's their office manager, it's the receptionist. Everybody follows. Sometimes we have to work with their IT department. Sometimes we have to act as an IT department. I solve a lot of problems at their server side, at their client side, just to make sure that the software acts as per the compliance and as per the software guidelines, which are determined by the Medicare, so that the end of the three months period, 90 days period or 180 days period, their uh, their output in the MIPS uh, reports are optimum. So again, so it, it's not just the guidance, we really handhold them. We, we make sure work with every, every department or every person who is involved in that process. Uh, and that's what makes sure that, you know, we get the incentives, we apply for the incentives. So we have their username and passwords for Medicare. We apply the incentives on behalf of them to the Medicare. We make sure that the, the, the connection between Medicare and their software to submit the MIPS data is appropriate, it's working fine. So we work with different softwares, different vendors, make sure that everything works as per uh, the, the way it should be working. Okay, and, and that's a results, yeah. And that's, I want to segue next with that. So does it matter what EMR a, a practice is using um, when it comes to kind of this back-end situation? No, it's, it, as long as the software supports some kind of, uh, if software has some kind of support towards, towards the macro and MIPS, we work with an EMR, but we prefer like we have an expertise in working with eClinical Works and AdvanceMD both. So they are our premium uh, vendors, and we use them all the time. But if we have clients on NextGen, we have clients on all the scripts, we have, we have clients on practice, you know, fusion. practice fusion, you know, all kinds of softwares. I mean, the, 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 the bottom line is same for everybody, that the process is same, the rules are same, the, the fundamental logistics, they, they are same. So if we understand those, you can plug and fit in anywhere. I mean, it's you, it's it's... It's right there. I mean, it's just the, the language is different or just point and click may be different or on the screen, they may look different, but ultimately they all do the same thing. Got it. Okay. Now, another question. If let's say someone is starting their own practice, 
whether it be residency or coming out, do you all help them choose an EMR and then implement an EMR as well in terms of what you all help clients with? Yeah, that, that's that's our, I mean. Expertise. I, yeah, that's our, I, I love, I have a passion for startups. So so startup practice management, we, we have created a package called a practice kick starter package. And it's a very reasonable package, considerable, which basically uh, give me an opportunity to work with the doctor, help him to start his practice. We can give him a guidance of almost even buying a cost efficient server to a PC, to a PBX, completely, you know, uh, make the make the medical practice automated and then pick a software or a EMR based on his practice uh, his practice requirement plus how's his behavior, how's his habit, how he, if he likes iPads, we can have something which we can, you know, suggest him you should use this iPad. You know, sometimes people like to use iPads, iPhone, people may not like it. So depending upon what he likes or she likes, we can suggest a solution which is based on, uh, you know, certain requirements. Okay. And now let's, let's switch gears a little bit. And let's talk about when you all come in, when you all are looking at practices. So let's say a practice is coming to you and trying to consider you as, as, as their, their solution of choice. What are the biggest mistakes you're seeing that, irrespective of specialty, that most practices have when they're doing most of these things in-house for themselves? Um, the biggest challenge we face is practices don't run eligibility. Okay. They just don't run eligibility. You know, they they have the patient come in, go out without verifying their benefits, without checking their co-pays. Um, so we automate that. We uh, we have developed, uh, you know, utility in our softwares where the eligibility is done automatically. The eligibility check is done automatically for them in advance. And then we handhold the uh, front office, the office manager's hand, and, you know, show them, what can they do to review them to you know uh, keep a second check on, check on it it's very important for us to get the data correct a patient a 75 year old patient can come with a medicare card but next thing you know the claim gets denied stating the patient does not have medicare the patient has a medicare hmo for which it can, it can be any medicare hmo but for that medicare hmo the physician should have received authorization to see the patient or if you're a primary care physician, you need to know, are you, are, is the patient in your panel or not? You cannot see, uh, for a primary care practice, you cannot see a patient outside your panel if you're capitated. So just those few small checks helps out. Um, eligibility is one of them. So as I mentioned, you know, we have automi- automated that. And that helps the practices big time. Knowing their contracts, are you contracted with, uh, you know, insurance A? That's important. You cannot see a patient in the office if you're not contracted with that plan. No point. Insurance don't go back and, you know, make give you the payment. So we provide them credentialing consultancy. We give them a list. Okay, these are the 15 plans out of 20 that you are in contract with. The other five that you are not in contract, and if you want to see the patient, we work with those practices, um, you know, once we start them up, we work with the physicians' practices, onboarding them to those uh, to those plans. So that's very helpful. Um, another thing we notice is when practices come on board, they have uh, hundreds and thousands of claims that have not been ever billed. And no one is there. The in-house billers don't have the time to tell the physicians 
Doc, you haven't built 50 claims from last week. Let's build them. Every claim that's not being billed is real cash dollars. And it multiplies, the amount multiplies like crazy. So so let's go there for a second because that's the next question I have. So mm-hmm. on average, and I know it's going to vary, of course, by specialty, but on average mm-hmm. for an individual physician, how much do you think they are leaving on the table every year per physician, per practice? Let's just, let's just say primary care to make it easy and then we can go uh-huh. up. So primary care, um, I did some I did some math real quick. I would say about at least about seventy five thousand dollars they leave on table. Okay, so uh, I, I've always heard between fifty and a hundred thousand a year. Yes, so I'm just averaging that out. Yeah, averaging that out, seventy five thousand per year easily. I mean, um, again, it depends on practice of practice. We have seen practices who were making really like hundred twenty thousand dollar a year or $200,000 a year. As soon as they come on board with us, now they're making 300,000, 400,000. Some practices we have drastically improved 200%, 200%. If the guy was making, we had a cardiologist's office, he was barely making his you know, ends meet. And he was giving away all his money to either office manager, people who were working. We had examples where practices were in debt we pull them out of it and barely what she says is just two things, eligibility and the second thing is missing charges. They had no idea where their charges were going. Yeah. 50% of the charges were even not billed. They were sitting on their desks. The chart slip, they saw the patient in the hospital. The chart slip is, is somewhere in the laundry, in the pants, <laughs> pockets of the pants. They don't know. And once it is lost, it is lost. Wow. I mean, we implemented, we are recently implementing another the iPad-based solution for the hospital. So we are taking the data from the hospital directly, entering into our system. So we are always progressive. We are always trying to find the best methods of capturing the data, sending it to the insurance company so that we can capture 100% revenue. And that's the only way moving forward. These are the only two fronts, very simple, where most physicians lose their money. It's not coding. It's not about the things which are associated with them, but it's just if they are not organized and they miss the charges, it's gone. That money is never going to come back. Got it. And so that, that, is, a, that is a perfect encapsulation. So let's talk a little bit about what you see coming in the future of healthcare for, um, for physicians that they need to be aware of um, when it comes to kind of this practice management side of, of their business. Well, what I see is in the in the recent times, I have seen um, artificial intelligence, uh, robotic process automation, RPA. I don't know if you have heard about these, but these are the two terms which are very popular at this moment. All of these manual work that the nurses are doing, the, the billers are doing in the office, coders are doing, it's going to be all automated by either the robotic-based or using artificial intelligence. And if they don't even see from that perspective of the software companies don't look at that side of the business, they're going to lose big time. So doctors should be ready very soon to see where, you know, all of their billing is going to be purely automated, but they need to learn some technology, whether to, you know, use the iPads, use the mobile phones appropriately, or capture the data in a raw format rather than, you know, imaging. Imaging is going to be obsolete. There would not be any images. There would not be any copies, no photocopies, nothing would remain. So these are some of the things from the technology perspective, which is coming. 
And uh, that's the reason we are building up our company in a way where, you know, we would eventually replace all of these things with the technology. So recently we have tied up with like Baker hospitals here and they are sending us the data for, for every physicians we bring on board who are hospitalists. So all of the patients they see in the hospital, we get the feed automated as an HL7. And we translate that feed into our software. So they don't have to carry those short slips and face you know face sheets and, and worry about you know the, the you know losing the charges. So it's just the one change. So so those are the kind of changes from the coding perspective, probably she knows more than me what, what changes are coming in the healthcare industry. You want to say something? Yeah, from coding coding world, uh, building and coding both. It's not just one coding. You know, things are changing every single month. And the irony and part of the problem is everything is online. The guidelines are online. The procedure and policies for the insurance companies are online. One challenge what we face is physicians say, oh, I did not, I didn't know that. An insurance company very calmly says, oh, everything is online. Yes, everything is online in cloud, but problem is no one has time to look at it. People don't remember their passwords. Absolutely. And so how do you, and so how do you all help your clients uh, in that situation? So from the technology perspective of what's, hap- what's coming, and then also from the, the, the change of pace with regulations and, and changing of payment guidelines. So we have we have team of people who who look at the compliance side, who look at the regulatory changes side, and once we know there's a problem with one client, we try to alarm alert our all the clients. You know, we utilize that uh, knowledge and alert everyone. We don't wait and sit and say, oh, you come come to us and ask for the problem. No, if I have a solution, I want to implement it across the board to all my practices. We don't work with practices on their revenue, on their size, on their volume. For us, every single practice who we handle is a, is a premium client to us. So the knowledge that we have, we impart, we don't, um, we, we basically share that pool of knowledge with everyone. Got it. And that's exact. And, and that's exactly why I sought you all out is because I wanted someone who had uh, a company that had the had a nationwide footprint, had the ability to service people across the country, but had a large enough client base that you all can take best practices from different areas of the country and then be able to apply it across your whole client base. Yes. Um, and I'm, so I'm glad, very glad that you said that. And that's one of the reasons why we I use, we use technology to share, you know, we use technology to share all of this wisdom. Uh, we were using HubSpot as a CRM program. Now we are using another one, which will basically a platform to to engage all of our employees at one place. So we have uh, we have technology which is enabling us to share our wisdom, share our experience in a much better way. Okay, and that, that helps across the board. Got it. And so right now we're running up on about thirty minutes, and so people's attention spans tend to be waning. So what I want to do is finally. W- Taking it from the standpoint of somebody who is either thinking of not wanting to deal with the business side of their practice and really wants some help, or a new resident coming out of residency, or a doctor who's been employed for 10 years and now is like, I hate it, I don't want, or they just got fired and being replaced by a nurse practitioner or what have you. What didn't I ask you 
that these doctors need to know just informationally. And then also you can plug your company as well. But what, what didn't I ask you that they need to be aware of and understand that you would like to share with, with people in those situations? I would like to share that on an average uh, for last three, four years, we have been helping about 10 to 15 practices at least a year to um, come on board. We encourage, as Kunal said, we we are we encourage entrepreneurs. We we have a you know soft corners towards people who want to start their own business. They have been burnt out Water. with large practices, you know, and they don't like the politics and you know all the all the things that go in big big groups, you know. So we encourage them, motivate them, you know, guide them, handhold them to run to start their own business. So the way um, it happens is like the credentialing. Credentialing is the main thing. So, and that's what they fear about. So we haven't talked about credentialing yet. So we have an expertise of like Medicare. Nowadays, Medicare has a huge technology behind them. It's called PCOS, P-E-C-O-S. And we can do their Medicare application, whether they are going through, going as a group or they're going as an individual. We can do all of that online. And if physician is a little bit tech savvy, I, I encourage him to apply for his own NPI, apply for Medicare, if he needs help, of course, he can find companies like us, but it's so self-instructed process to do their own Medicare and to do their own NPI because it's very private. Having your own NPI is like having your own SSM if you're a medical doctor. And to, to have your own uh, you know, Medicare number or when you change the group, how to, to change a Medicare number, having your own CAQH, which is again a registry or database for having your credentialing done through for commercial payers. So these are basic things like having your own NPI, having your own Medicare number, having a control over that. Sometimes we have most of the physicians, they have no idea what NPI is. They have no idea what, what PCOS is, what Medicare is, and how it, they know Medicare, but they, know, they don't know how to apply for Medicare. So, and these are the basic fundamental, you know, uh, truth to start a practice. And once you have these three things, you have NPI, you have Medicare, you have Medicaid number, and then you have a CAQH. Then you can find somebody or, or, or ask your office manager and tell her that, hey, now I want to be on board with these, these, these plans. So once you have CAQH, after that, the, the, your credential, you're registered with, in different payer system, then you can apply for uh, having, you know, in-network contracts. But Got it. And what's the lead time? What's the usual lead time on that? So someone needs to be thinking about that. How many months before they're going to come out on their own? So if, if your date of service, you want to start seeing patients like today, you have 60 days before to apply for Medicare. Okay. So Medicare only allows you to apply 60 days in advance. And, and how long does it take? How long does the process take? 45 to 60 days. Okay. But if, if, if everything they ask, you entered. But if you have not entered everything what they ask, then your process application can go up to three to six months. And that's where they keep calling you. They don't find you. And they ask you that, hey, your SSN is missing, your, your malpractice is missing, or your tax ID is missing. The most common thing is, is the IRS paperwork. It's called CP575. This form is mandatory for all Medicare applications. People don't realize it. They think it is a property of their CPA. It is not a property of a CPA. If a CPA has registered a company for you, it's his job to give you the CP575 form. Once you have that, that's the main form a Medicare is going to assign uh, the, the Medicare number against that tax ID. And if you don't supply that, you don't get Medicare number. 
Got it. So that's that, that's perfect. Any other any other tips um, that that they should know? Well, they, they, it's uh, I mean, if they are so there, there are a lot of physicians who are immigrants, and I found that all of these immigrant physicians they have to give some kind of you know certificate about their residency, about uh, their uh, either a green card or, or a passport, and that information to Medicare. But it is not listed on Medicare side. This is like a trick which we have learned over a period of time. And always what happens if they don't supply that in the beginning, Medicare is going to come back and ask after 90 days. And if they ask that, again, it delays your application for another 60 to 90 days. So we have learned, you know, a lot of these kind of, you know, specific things just by doing it. Um, uh, some, some Medicare reps uh, in some of the, they want to verify your signatures against your license. And if it does, if, if the signature does not match with the license, they can reject your application. And again, you have to go over again. With a lot of things, sometimes it depends on, you know, who is handling your Medicare application at the Medicare site, but they can ask any kind of question. Got it. And this is something that you all do, correct? Yeah, yeah. That, that's what that, that's a part of our startup package. We take care of all of these credentialing needs. We take care of their IT EMR needs, uh, advice, consulting uh, for up to one year. So uh, for the credentialing, if they come on board and we have a $5,000 package, uh, they are all good for up to one year that they can we can just kick and start their practice from the scratch. Got it. And so I think we should probably do another podcast around credentialing, the Kickstarter package. But I think this is a great way to introduce you all to the Physicians Road um, <coughs> podcast and, and our listeners. And so uh, I think we'll, we'll cut it there. It's been 35 minutes and I, I really appreciate you all taking the time to, to do this. Any last comments or that you'd like to uh, make? No, thank you very much and enjoy being a free independent doctor is the way to go. Don't join the groups. Don't, don't be an employee. Just start your own practice. That's, that should be the mission and goal. And at that point, and on that note, we will, we will, we will end the podcast there. And so again, I want to thank Kanal Jane and Parul Jane from Practice Forces for coming out and talking to us today and giving us this information uh, about what a practice management company, a very high level practice management company can do for you. I know many physicians are out there scared that they're not able to stay in in private practice or scared of taking that leap. Um, But that's the reason why we wanted to bring a practice management company as a foundational piece of the physician's road is because for those that want to stay independent, we want to make sure that you have the ability to do that and let's just say you don't want to go concierge. We want to have the pieces in place to help you do that with as little stress as humanly possible. And so what we're going to do is um, if you want to get information and and they've been gracious enough to do a five to 10 minute accounts receivable analysis for any practice that's out there that's thinking about wanting to outsource their, their, their back office or kind of wants a second set of eyes to look over their in-house billing to make sure that, um, what's being done is appropriate. Um, we didn't even get a chance to talk about kind of outside third-party audits and looking at that. We can, we can do that in, a, in, a, in another podcast, but um, I'm a firm believer that, you, that a third party should be looking at your internal um, policies and procedures to let you know whether or not what you're doing makes sense. And so what we want you to do is go to the URL healmypractice.com. That is healmypractice.com. And we'll have all this information there and how to get in contact uh, with practice forces. So again, I want to thank everybody for listening to the Physicians Row podcast, where today we're on the path of practice. If you have any questions, please go to feedback at thephysiciansroad.com. Again, feedback at thephysiciansroad.com. And we'll answer any questions that you may have. And you can also join us on our Facebook group, 
Uh, just go to Facebook and look up the Physicians Road, and we'll we'll add you into the group there. Where we can we have these conversations kind of offline as well. So again, I want to thank Practice Forces for being here. This is Dr. Eric Tate from the Physicians Road, where you create your life in medicine on your own terms. The Physician's Road is brought to you by Vernonville Asset Management. Vernonville Asset Management was created to help physicians build wealth and create income beyond Wall Street. Through our exclusive private investments, doctors can begin to free themselves from the burdensome regulations in healthcare by creating income streams independent of medicine. Go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get your free report, Wall Street's Biggest Lie. Again, go to IncomeBeyondWallStreet.com to get Wall Street's Biggest Lie and free your today. Thank you for listening to The Physician's Road, where you create your life in medicine on your own terms. Please go to thephysiciansroad.com and sign up for your free guides and resources.